You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast. And today, we are joined by a guest that I am so thrilled to introduce to all of you. This gentleman and I had a great conversation filled with insights from his experiences closing deals throughout the world for millions upon millions and millions of dollars. Now, keeping it real with all of you, I never realized up until this year, 2019, at 26 years old, how important selling is and how often we we actually sell. Now bear with me here as I explain this to you, especially if you are not in business and you're tuned into this. I need you to bear with me. Now no matter what we do in life, we're selling or we're being sold. For instance, how about this? If you're trying to date someone, you're trying to sell them on who you are and why you would be beneficial to them right? How about this one? When you're drunk and you walk outside of a New York City nightclub and don't want to spend $5 for a Poland spring water bottle, not even the freaking active one, like literally the twist off one, you know, you don't want to spend that $5 for that Poland spring water bottle from the halal cart on the corner in the meatpacking district. So you decide to sell the guy on why it should be cheaper for you. Listen, I can go on for days about this, but I do want to also let you know this episode is way, way deeper than selling. In fact, we get into a whole bunch of stuff here and Honestly, I'm just beating around the bush. Let me introduce you to my guy, Oren Claff, who is one of the world's leading experts on sales, raising capital, and negotiation. In fact, his first book, Pitch Anything, is required reading throughout Silicon Valley, Wall Street, and many Fortune 500s with more than 1 million copies in print worldwide. He has written for Harvard Business Review, Inc., Advertising Age, Entrepreneur, and has been featured in hundreds of periodicals, podcasts, and blogs. He is an investment partner in a two $200 million private equity investment fund. And then in his spare time, he is a motorcycle enthusiast. I have a great story that I'm going to tell you at the end of this podcast about that. And it's really exciting to amplify this conversation to all of you tuned in. Super grateful you're here tuned into this so that we can amplify it to you. And I'm equally as excited to share with you our partnership with Audible and their gracious offer to all of you decoding success faithful. We've teamed up with Audible as you may or may not know to bring about another way for you all to optimize your net time, whether you're traveling, commuting, laying on the beach, in the sauna after work, whatever you're doing where time can be optimized, Audible is here to help you do just that and they're giving away a free, yes, a free audiobook of your choice. Now, the only way this wouldn't be free is if you didn't take advantage of this offer because it would cost you in the future. It comes down to learning how to calculate the future costs of your current decisions. So to claim this free audiobook, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success. And without further ado, my guy, Oren Claff. Oren, first and foremost, I need to express my gratitude and say thank you for dedicating time or actually knowing your background, investing time to make an impact here on decoding success. So thank you for being here with us. Appreciate the invitation. I'll let you know in a few minutes if I've enjoyed it, but so far it hasn't been bad. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, first question straight off the bat. This is what everyone gets when they, they hop on this show. It's a bit of a loaded question, but I'm curious, how do you personally define success? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I love that because I've been dealing with that a lot lately. So really easy. Something to do, something to look forward to, and someone to love. If you got that, then, then I think you're all set. I love that. I love that. And listen, you kept it super simple, but I'm curious, how do you find yourself staying on track to achieve that, right? How, how do you always find something to do? Now, I, I know you're uh, in a relationship from reading your book. What, you know, you have a, a beautiful family. So the other parts, how do you find yourself continuously having that? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the uh, you know, I, I worked in finance for 20 years and, and man, it's, and I still do finance, spend half my time in finance. It's a grind. But when I got asked to write the book, right. And I was, when I worked in finance, I was not clear about life, right? So we had money. I lived in the Hollywood Hills. You know, I moved into Maroon 5's house when they moved out of it. Chevy Chase moved into my house when I moved out of it. Uh, you know, I had multiple Ferraris, lived in the Hollywood Hills, uh, worked at, you know, if you've been in West Hollywood, 
uh, you know, worked out at the, um, you know, at the gym there where, you know, it's all celebrities. Oh, I mean, I can tell you, uh, you know, I'd have lunch. Dustin Hoffman would be right next to me. I'd say, Hey, you know, can you pass the salt? And he would say, no, <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, you know, Fabio, who's actually a really interesting guy. He likes motorcycles. I, I have a ton of motorcycles and, uh, you know, we would hang out at the gym and he'd ask me, Hey, do you want to come ride my new Porsche? And you know, all that stuff, but I wasn't settled. And then when I wrote the book, pitch anything and, and it changed people's lives. Like I get emails. I still get them every single day. Hey, Warren, I read the book. We were unable to raise any money for our company. We read Pitch Anything and we just closed $3 million. Thank you. I was the worst salesperson in our entire company. Didn't know what the hell to do, how to do it, or even what was possible. I read Pitch Anything. Six months later, I'm the best salesperson in the entire company and I meet with the CEO every day. And I get thousands of those emails. So that is my definition of success. I, I live by the beach. I have a little boy. He plays hockey. I go to his hockey games. My wife and I take beach walks. I have 11 cars, you know, 25 motorcycles. Um, but, but most importantly is I've changed people's lives for the better. And I'll die with people remembering who I was and what I left behind. So that's not for everybody. Right. And then I will package that back up. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is I do not hustle, right? This hustle porn is fucking bullshit, right? And so my definition of success is I come in, I build my skills, I apply my skills, I work hard, and I create things of value. That is success. Like, you know, my buddy, Rick, um, uh, he's a very, very successful e-commerce company. You know, you know, we're doing a project together and he's got everything in the world, right? I have, a, I have 11 cars. He has 15 cars. I have 23 motorcycles. He has 29 motorcycles. You know, I have a house here. He has three houses there. Um, and, and we're very good friends, our little boys, but man, he, he runs a triathlon. He's running a company. We're starting a new company. I'm like, Rick, what the hell? Right. And, and for him, he's not hustling, but he's working hard. So success is about building stuff that is going to carry your name forward, help other people and create value and be pleased with the creation and still live your life, health, family, and, and creation. So that's for me, other people, whatever. I love it. No, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, and it really resonates with me when you're talking about being able to change people's lives because I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, as humans, we're psychologically wired to want to help other people. And when you're able to, you feel a sense of fulfillment. So you sharing that is a sense of reassurance for me because, I mean, honestly, I, I love it myself. That's exactly why we're here on this podcast. So, Oren, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I'm curious, you, you're, you're a master at literally closing deals, right? I believe it's over $1 billion in deals closed, but I'm gonna go out on a limb here and make the assumption that it didn't just happen overnight, right? When looking back over the course of your journey, what do you feel was your biggest lesson learned? Uh, the biggest lesson learned is that you cannot chase deals. That is hustle, that is 12X, 15X, 20X, when you start chasing a deal and it isn't chasing you or trying to close itself, you cannot do the amount of business that you want to do. You can't close the deals that you want to close. You can't make it happen. So my, uh, and I, and I actually read something, you know, on the internet in like 1999 or 2000 that said, Hey, how to stop, uh, chasing deals and have deals chase you. And so that idea was amazing, Right. And so that encouraged my dream that it was possible. Of course, the content was, didn't follow up on the promise, right? But the promise is, and, and this was my epiphany or my switch, that you have to switch out of hustle. You have to switch from chasing deals and you have to pitch in a way that the deal starts chasing you. I love that. Now, I mean, out of total curiosity, I have to ask you, <laughs> just because you brought it up, how do you start attracting those deals? Yeah, well, the deals... The, you know, the deals are there. They're the same deals that you have today. It's how you prime them. See, most people go in to a sale. Most people are bad at selling, right? Even, right, even really good salespeople have high, and I've trained 80,000 salespeople from the stage in person. You know, I know a lot of salespeople. Most people are bad at selling, 
even the good ones. The, the guys who are good salespeople just are hustling like crazy, right? And they're, they're, they're doing the law of large numbers. Well, if I can close one out of 10, then I just have to try and sell 100 people, right? So I can, um, uh, you know, so I can close 10. Now I got to try and sell 1,000 people so I can close, you know, 100, whatever the case is, right? So, so people are trying too hard uh, and most people are bad at selling. So the, the, it's the same deals that you have, but it's how you prime the deal to get the pitch. So I will say this, most salespeople when they go in to give a pay, hey, Mr. Jones, great to talk to you today. You know, we want to talk to you about our accounting plugin software that makes QuickBooks, you know, 10 times faster and plugs into the IRS to make the possibility of getting an audit much less, right? Whatever. And they'll just go into features, benefits, social proof, value proposition, ROI, trial close. That is, right? The, the problem with that is it leaves it's leading to a point where you trial close, the buyer comes up with objections. When objections come out, you just start fighting with the customer. Well, you know, trying to change their opinion. Uh, and then you get to a point. So what do you think? Is there, is this something that we should move forward with? Do you have, do you have any other questions now they've overcome your objections? And then the buyer just says something I want to think about. Uh, why don't you send me all the information? And if I have any other questions, I'll contact you. Maybe we can reconnect in a couple weeks. That's what buy, right? So that leads to chasing. So the first thing you do in chasing is then you go, hey, um, what if I could give you a discount? That's how most people control sales is through a discount. But even if that doesn't work, then you get off the phone, you get out of the meeting, you get off the, the webinar or whatever it is, and then you have to send an email, hey, checking in. Have you thought about it? Should we get back together? Is this a good time? And, and so all that stuff is chasing. So if you haven't primed prepared the deal. Like everything needs to be prepared, right? If you're going to paint a barn, you have to, right? You have to sand it. Uh, you have to strip the old paint off before you can paint. Everything needs to be primed before you go and do the work on it. So uh, I won't do the features and benefits. In, in my pitch, no one will hear what the features or benefits of the company, of the deal, of the product, of the service, until probably I'm more than halfway through. What do you spend the rest of the, the first half of the presentation doing, right? That is taking care of the business of making people want to chase you. So that was a long answer for a short question. No, listen, that, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, you know, it, it sparked another question in my mind, which is what do you feel like are the, the skills or maybe the tactics or characteristics or habits that have shaped you into such a skilled uh, deal closer? Because, you know, when you're talking about this, clearly you're, you're very experienced. So I'm curious what you feel like are, are, are those top traits? Yeah, uh, fear, panic. Um, uh, so when I got into this world, I had a partner and we were doing deals and he would go sign up a deal. So he would put $2 million of our money up hard. This is called. So he'd commit to the deal and then he'd go get a loan, but I had to go get six or $10 million of equity from people. Right. And, and he'd say, you have 30 days to go get $6 million, fear, panic, dopamine, uh, you know, wide-eyed sleeplessness. So I had to do, you know, as one person, the work of five people, and I had to do it three times as fast. So I guess the trait, wrong or right, that led me into this world is, well, that's a giant mountain that is all practically, from my vantage point, unconquerable. I, and I just said, I don't care. I'm going to go figure it out. Uh, and so that's what led me into this world is really this, this extreme situation of having to find $6 million in 30 days when the right amount of time is 90 days for five people. And I figured it out. And that's what moved me into these skills. No, it's really interesting. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because when, when it comes to fear and panic, those are typically things that, you know, people kind of shy away from. And it seems like you stepped into that. And, you know, I have to ask this just because I read your book, Flip the Script, was the gentleman you were just talking about, is his name Logan? Yes, exactly. Logan is a, I mean, he's a brilliant 
maniac, right? I think I said in the book, you know, he has two modes, uh, high speed and asleep. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Know, That's so- I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, so with Logan, uh, he would he would have me create a pitch deck, right? And that's one of my expertise is storytelling about a deal, not putting together the facts of the deal, but why is this a good deal? What problem does it solve? What's the opportunity? Who else can do this? Uh, what is it we do? What's the value proposition? What are the assumptions? What are the ROI? Who's the team? So the pitch deck. And I would slave all night you know, to produce the final version of this pitch deck, we'd go to the meeting, you know, I'd bring 12 or 15 of them, print it out. You know, we'd go there in his Bentley, uh, we'd get out of the car, no notepad, no pitch decks, go in a big conference room. I'm like, why, why did I, and, and he would pitch. And this is sort of what I want to talk to you about today. Like he would pitch with nothing, just him, no decks, no PowerPoint presentation, no yellow pad, no pen. And, and the buyers of the deals would go, are you, is somebody coming with your stuff? Do you have a handout? No, I don't have a handout. You guys ready? I'm ready. And, and so that's, you know, that the thing that's causing people to failure today is in that story there is there's so much tech, right? Today. And that's really what I see messing up why people are bad at selling is really the, the enemy is tech, right? Because tech develops leads, funnels develop leads, working harder gets, you know, marketing, working harder at marketing gets leads, working harder uh, gets leads, 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 right? And tech, it does a great job of bringing in leads, right? But then the skill of closing is 100% human and any tech that you inject in the closing process, and we're talking like, you know, above $5,000, right? Probably most people listening to your podcast, you know, sell and deal with things above $5,000. They want a million dollars investment in their business. They want $5 million investment in their business. They, you know, they're selling twenty-five dollars or $50,000 mastermind. They're selling services that are $50,000 or $100,000 a year, right? When you get above, hey, click to buy, it's right? And that's generally above $5,000. The selling process is 100% human. Any tech, PowerPoint, uh, uh, you know, Uber conference, screen share, Skype gets in the way of you convincing another person to go with you and not someone else. Tech moves everything backwards. So, so that's, you know, really the problem today is we're so dependent on tech. So relying on it, so encouraged by it, so excited by it that we don't know how to sell. No, it's really interesting. That's a, that's a great perspective. And it, it made me think about all of the tech initiatives I have in my own business, kind of, you know, doing exactly what you said, generating leads. And then when it comes time to close, you know, it's very humanized. So sharing that was uh, eye-opening. I appreciate that. Here, here's what I see. I see people drowning in leads, right? I, I sort of picture uh, these mountain climbers, you know, they die on these uh, ice caps of thirst. They die of thirst. They're literally standing on water and they're dying of thirst, right? This, it's the same thing. Like the companies that I consult to are awash with leads. They can't convert them because they don't know the human part right? Or they're trying to use technology in the conversion. The, the getting a commitment from somebody in a competitive situation for $100,000, a million dollars, $10 million, $100 million. That's you, right? That's your responsibility. And that's the story. And, and so, you know, in some ways, um, yeah, so, so we're losing that human part. Now, how do you, you know, first acquire that human part? That, that's what's going back and forth in my mind now is how do you learn that human part? Is it, uh, you know, and you actually mentioned it, right? You know, a lot of people suck at sales. I, I was one of them until I realized that every day I'm selling, right? I'm selling the girl to go out with me on a date. I'm selling Damon John to give me a job. I'm selling all of this stuff. And then I realized sales are, you know, crucial. So how do you number one, learn that human part and how do you continue to bolster it? Is, is it as simple as picking up a book like Flip the Script or, you know, courses? Like, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I have a, so there's a couple ways to do it. Number one, you can do it the way I do it. Like, just spend 15 years grinding through horrible misery and failure until you eventually go, oh, this is easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, frankly, Flip the script, 
that will give you a lot of the tools to control the kind of sales that are done today. You know, I wrote Pitch Anything and Pitch Anything did something fantastic for people. It let them know that you don't have to supplicate. You're not in the low status position. A buyer doesn't own you. You don't have to beg for business. You don't have to chase for business and you don't have to close a a pitch by saying, so what do you think? Is this something you'd be interested in? You can do a It shows you that there's different ways to convert the buyer from owning you to you owning him, right? And it's very nuanced because you are, you know, how do you own a buyer when you're trying to get money from them or get a contract from them, right? And so Pitch Anything showed that. Since Pitch Anything came out, buyers have become worse, and give you an example by what I mean by worse. I was buying a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars of like frozen meat. Uh, you know, I'm I'm working out. I'm running. Uh, you know, my my workouts would kill. Uh, you know, it, they might kill me, but they'd probably kill you. Uh, Matt, <laughs> how, but how old are you, Matt? By the way, twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, they'd kill you for sure. You're too young. <laughs> uh, no, and and what are you? Are you working out? By the way. Yeah, man, I'm an athlete my entire life. Uh, yeah, let's work right. out. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So what, what's a workout for you? What's a hard workout? Well, you want to know what right now, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an excuse here. I'm dealing with a little Achilles injury, so oh, I'm nursing it right now, yeah. but uh, you know, anything high intensity really. Yeah. So yesterday, uh, you know, I went to the CrossFit gym and we did 21, 15, nine heavy deadlifts. So whatever, three thirty-five. Uh, and then, you know, directly into handstand uh, push-ups. And then we went into 15, 12, 9 with a little less weight and then ring dips. And then we went into 12, 9, 6 deadlifts, you know, a little bit less weight and, uh, you know, and then a push-up sequence. So that took about an hour. It's just a lot of deadlifting. And then I had a tempo, you know, an hour-long tempo run with six six minute segments at sub eight minute tempo. So tough, tough, uh, workouts. Uh, wait, how do we get to the point where I was just bragging about my workouts? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I have to eat. I, like I, that's my life. Eat, run, lift, hydrate, run, sleep, eat, lift, play with my little boy, eat, run, sleep, work, podcast, hydrate. Not a very exciting life, but, uh, but I have to eat like, so, so I'm ordering this meat online, right? $1,500 of meat. We get it from this farm. Uh, it's just amazing. And as I'm ordering it, my wife's phone pops up with another small farm, you know, meat company pitching. And she goes, hey, before you order, take a look at this, <laughs> right? And, and this is a, an impossible situation, right? Where your buyer has so many options, literally as you're pitching them, somebody else is through AI or machine learning or luck or just volume is popping up on their screen or pitching them at the same time. Buyers are never satisfied that you're offering them a good deal and they're always trying to get it cheaper or for free, right? Literally the AI is, this is like a minority report, right? The, The AI is feeding them an offer as you're, you're trying to sell them something. It's a very difficult environment to operate in. Um, and so the buyers benefit from all this tech, not the sellers. And, and so, you know, the, how do you get better at this? Uh, I mean, I can give you a quick way to look at this that I think would improve everybody right now. There's today, it didn't used to be like this. It used to be You'd get a lead, you get a buyer, and you give them the social proof, hey, we're the number one accounting software company as measured by Microsoft annual you know, accounting plug-in report. Uh, we've got 27,000 likes on our Facebook, and we've, you know, uh, 25 of the Fortune 500 recommend us. Uh, these are our features, these are our benefits, and uh, this is the value we can bring you. So what do you think? Is this something you'd be interested in, right? So that, that used to work. Today, you have to be a lot better than that. You have to be infotainment. If you're just info, you're going to get creamed, yeah. right? So you have to have the tainment, infotainment. I think this would help a lot of people if they think about it in this way. There's a content layer to every pitch. Like you have to know how your buyers buy, what information they need in the order they need it. 
So I'll try and help you out, Matt, in your pitch, right? So rather than talking to everybody, let me just talk to you. So I know you're, you're, uh, you're doing a lot of speaking. So you're, you're pitching your speaking engagements. What else are you pitching? I have a branding agency and the podcast. So those three are, are my main buckets right now. Okay. So let's say the branding agency and how much is an engagement with the branding agency? Uh, are, are you referring to a service? Yeah, the service. Yeah. Uh, anywhere from, you know, if we're doing a brand guide, I would say anywhere from 2,500 to, I don't know, anywhere from 35,000 to maybe 40. Okay. So let's just take, you know, the 25,000 as a, as a hit point, you know, which is pretty fair. That's competitive. And so when you go to pitch, there is the content layer. And that's the first thing you just have to get right. Buyers of agency services buy in a certain, they need to know certain things in a certain order, right? And we could go through those, you know, more detail, but basically what's the big idea? Why does anybody need an agency today? Why can't you just read a book or take an online course, right? Why do you need people? Uh, So how is the world changing? What environmental changes are going to wipe out everybody if they don't get a brand organized, right? Uh, So what's the problem or what's the opportunity? Who else does this? right? What is your solution? What is it? How does it work? What's the value proposition? What are the assumptions, the, 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 the KPIs of what uh, happens when you get a brand, what the ROI is likely to be, who does it, what's your track record, how it works, how you implement it, uh, you know, what the costs are, what's the downside protection, how to make sure I don't get, you know, ripped off and you actually do what you say. And what's the scarcity or the takeaway? That's the content layer. Like you have to get that. That's the order. Very likely your pitch has to be in that order as a service. If you get yeah. those things out of order, you put the, you put the solution before the problem. Um, you, before you give people the solution, you don't say who else is good at this. Ogilvy is good at this, right? BBDO is good at this. Uh, so if you get any of those things out of order on the content layer, you're going to have problems. And, and so, for example, we just pitched a new service. Like, we've never pitched it before. Uh, it's, it's an outreach engine that uses AI and machine learning. All we did was pitch the content layer in the right order. And the buyer's like, yeah, I want it. Okay? So, there's that, there's that content layer. You just have to get things right. In, so, just to give you an example, people say, hey, Orn, what, what do I do when I get an objection? Right? Uh, what's the best way to answer objection? I kind of scratch my head and I go, I don't really know because I haven't had an objection in years. Right. And, and so an objection means that the buyer is not getting the content layer delivered in the order they need the information in the amount of detail that they need it. So either something is out of order in that order I gave you, or there's too much detail or too little detail. That's just, just get that shit right. Okay. Then once you have the right things in the right order for the mind of that kind of buyer, the next thing you worry about is the performance, right? That's the craft of the delivery. And that's where Flip the Script really comes in. It gives you scripts that allow you to perform at a very high level while you're giving the content. Let people under showing people that you're an expert, showing people that you speak their language, showing people that uh, you are a lot of people working with you and that there's scarcity showing people that you have values showing people that you're judging them. They're not judging you. That's the performance layer, right? Once you get the craft of performing with the scripts, right? As they're put out and flip the script, the last chapter of flip the script is about control. So again, the content layer, get right. Then there's the performance layer, the craft of delivering the scripts and the pitch. And then finally, there's the control layer, right? Which is, which is really, uh, you know, in Flip the Script, the idea is you control someone to the point of inception where they come up with the idea to work with you. You don't have to propose it. And, and so, you know, everybody wants to jump to the control layer. How do I control someone? You know, you, through the pitch, you build a, bo- a sandbox that they run around in. So I just put all the toys, the features and benefits in a sandbox. I put the boundaries on the sandbox and then I don't sell it all. I just get out of the way, right? And they run around in the sandbox playing with the toys that 
I've built. So I control the environment. I don't con- try and, you cannot control someone. You cannot tell them what to do or say. When you try and do that, the sale goes backwards or sideways. And that's what most sales is built on. So instead, you build the box, the sandbox for them to play in. You put the toys in the sandbox. They run around. Eventually, they go, hey, you know, I want another play date with you. I want to I, I want to buy from you. So uh, in summary, you know, for your agency pitch, get the content layer right. Figure out the craft of delivering the performance of the pitch and then get control over the buyer. So I don't know if that triggers any questions in your mind, but hopefully that's helpful. Oh, that triggers a ton of questions on my mind. Then the first one being, how long do you find yourself preparing for presentations? And the reason I ask this is because, you know, a ton of people tune into this podcast, whether they're real estate agents or uh, maybe they own an agency or, you know, they're, they're hopping on stages to deliver keynotes and things of that nature. And, you know, in your book, Flip the Script, you, you brought us literally through. And, you know, as I mentioned to you before we hopped on and started recording this, you're a master storyteller, right? Every time you were talking about a presentation you were giving, I felt like I was there, whether it was in Geneva or in in Hawaii or in Las Vegas, wherever the case was, like I literally felt like I was there. So my question to you is, how long do you find yourself actually preparing for these presentations? Yeah. The answer to that is it depends on the stakes, right? So if I'm going in for, I've got six meetings to ask for $50 million, Uh, this requires quite a lot of preparation. If I have many bites at the apple, you know, I'm going to ask, uh, uh, you know, I've got a list of 60 people thinking I'm going to pitch for $300,000 each. Then I get to learn on the job and I try and line up the worst presentations first and uh, reps, you know, I get reps. So when you're, the answer is when you're not going to have the opportunity to get reps, then you have to do a lot of preparation. When you're going to have the opportunity to do reps, you can sort of prepare the outline and the, the general flow of it and learn on the job. So uh, nothing will teach you faster than getting a rep. I mean, you know that from athletics, right? Uh, there's, you know, watching videos on Olympic lifting does not equal the ability to do an Olympic lift. Um, so, so, Training only goes so far. It's, it's probably for most people, it's doing 10, 20 hours of prep, right? Real uh, condensed preparation and then going out and getting reps. Uh, you know, if we, if, again, if we were going after $50 million, we get six bites at the apple and that's it. You know, we might, we might prepare for two or three months to go do those presentations. Awesome. No, that's helpful. That's helpful information, especially, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me. If I'm going to give a keynote, I really only have one rep to leave an impression on these individuals I'm speaking to. So, you know, that, that hits home. And, you know, I'm curious, kind of backtracking just a little bit, you know, you triggered a lot of questions in my mind. Um, and it kind of ties into what we're talking about here. The, the question is, how do you find yourself remaining calm if you do remain calm in these presentations that you're, you know, in these pitch presentations? I know you mentioned fear and panic earlier, which is kind of uh, what you said was essentially driving you, you know, do you find yourself remaining calm or, you know, what is it? No. Uh, so did, did you ever, when you were a kid, do karate or jujitsu or anything like that? I never did any mixed martial arts, no. Yeah, I mean, I, they didn't have mixed martial arts when I did. It was just martial arts. And I think I did karate and, you know, you'd be like three people up from the next one up to fight at a tournament. And man, you just needed to pee and you were nervous. And no matter, you know, how good you were, how big you were, how small the opponent was, what what your, you know, likelihood of winning is like, it just always makes you nervous. I and mean, I go out on these huge stages and went out for Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, recently I, I even spoke for Tony. I couldn't go. And uh, he piped me in by video and I was nervous then. Like you're, you're always nervous just before you take the stage or get into a conference. That's to me why flip the script is such a critical text because it gives you the things to say that will control the audience, right? By making them, accept your information by making them believe you're an expert by showing them that you really can deliver and having them trust you until you settle down. That's like sales scripts 
in terms of like closing, like, hey, Mr. Jones, press hard. Fifth copy's yours. Hey, Mr. Jones, there's no reason why you shouldn't buy this today. Uh, you know, you've already told me that you need the new copier and the old one's failing and we've already agreed on the price. And if I could take 10% off, then basically you'd have to get it if the price was right. Like those don't close. You know, that's what people think of scripts. Scripts are ways of telling your stories in pre-wired, in, in the way the mind is pre-wired to accept them, right? And so that's the magic about these, these the flip the script and these scripts is they let you settle down, get into a flow state, and you're still adding a huge amount of value to the buyer. Uh, so I'm always nervous, no matter how many of these I've done. And I'm, you know, if there's somebody better than me, show me who it is, right? And I still get nervous. Uh, so, so that's just a function of life. And that's why the scripts or the, the, these, these package stories are so important. For sure. I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. Again, it's reassuring hearing that, you know, after reading about what you do and uh, knowing your, your background, it's absolutely amazing. And like I said, reassuring. So I appreciate that. Now, you know, on the topic of flip the script, if readers could only take away one thing from the book, what would you want that to be? Yeah, that's great. The, so I'll give you, tell you this little example. A guy walks in our office a couple, what was this, maybe a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, he was a lead. We pitch him over the phone. He needs to sell his company. I just call it a $40 million sale. So we have him come down to the office. Uh, I walk him through our services, you know, basically give him a pitch, try to sell him on the services. And these aren't, these aren't one call closes. You know, people come in, we pitch them on it. They have to think about it. They got to talk to their accountant, their CPA, their, their partners, their wife. It's, you know, it's a $40 million deal. It doesn't get decided in one meeting. So he leaves, we finish the meeting, hail fellow, well met, good meeting and everything like that. He leaves, uh, you know, and I think, oh, that was a good presentation. You know, likely this will move forward. 60 seconds later, comes back in the door. That is not good. It's never good. Like it meant they went to the car and got their gun. (laughs) (laughs) And they're walking back in. It's just not good when somebody leaves your office and then comes back in, you know. Uh, And then, you know, they haven't left their sunglasses or anything like that. And, And so he walks back in the conference room. And he looks at me, I don't know what's going on. You know, the meeting ended, he left and he's there and he's sort of looking at me, giving me the stink eye. What's going on? And so then he reaches in his bag. I'm not sure what's going to come out, you know, a prison shank, a gun and, and out comes a checkbook, right? <laughs> Takes out a shot. I haven't seen a checkbook. Like we don't deal in check. We have wires and transfers and, you know, I haven't yeah, seen a check yeah. in years, right? Uh, uh, the IRS never refunds me any money. I haven't, I haven't seen a check. So <laughs> uh, he takes out his checkbook and he writes a check for $15,000. And I, I, like, I, I don't sell anything that costs $15,000. I don't even know what it's for. And he just gives me the check and goes, let's get started. Pushes the check over and he goes, you know, send me some paperwork. And then he leaves for real. That is how our sales go, right? That's a more extreme situation. You know, somebody walks back in, but we don't have a close. Hey, Warren, what's your best close? Uh, well, um, so I guess we should, we're running out of time here. Uh, what are your, like you would listen to my clothes and you go, that is not the world's best sales guy. That is the world's worst sales guy, right? Yeah. What I want people to know from Philip Descript is not only do you not have to chase people, but they, if you put the information to them correctly, in the right format, in the right way, with the right scripts and stories, they will come up with the idea to work with you. Say, when can we get started? How fast can you go? Can you do this as well? Right? Uh, can we pay you this? Here's what we want to pay you. Is that acceptable? Inception, the idea. Buyers will come up with the idea to work with you, to be involved with you, to do business with you on their own. And that is completely possible today 
in your business and you should be doing that. And if you're not doing it, it's just going to be huge frustration because you'll be chasing, 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 and chasing is inefficient. The, the, the KPIs, the metrics, the return on chasing buyers is horrible, right? Uh, uh, um, automation, the systems, the AI, the machine learning chases. You need to have a buyer so enamored with the infotainment, with the pitch, with the way you give them the ideas about your product, your service, your company, you, your brand, that they come up with the idea to work with you. That's what I want people to know is that it's not only completely possible, we're doing it every day and it can be systematic and you can teach all your people to do it. So that's, that's, that's what I want to impress on people. And doing anything else is just a path to, to frustration and financial agony. For sure. Well, listen, Oren, I'm going to tell you, you know, you, you've definitely accomplished that as I've read the book. I absolutely love it. Now, I want to respect your time here, but I have two more questions that I ask everyone that hops on this show. And the first question is, what was a piece of advice that you've received that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but over time it proved to be true? Yeah, that's a good one. So you want it? Four I want words. It. Four words. I didn't understand it. Don't be a pig. Don't be a pig. I would always tell Logan, hey, I can sell this deal at a higher rate, right? Instead of making 1.5 million, we can make 1.8 million. That's another $150,000 each, right? Basically at that time, about three quarters of a Ferrari, which was important to me. Uh, <laughs> he would say, leave something on the table. Don't be a pig, right? So even though we got more demand than uh, we expected and we could raise the price. He said, just leave some meat on the bone, give it to people at that price. Don't over maximize the deal. Don't be a pig. And I didn't understand it because I was a young guy. I was like, we could sell it for more. But over the years I realized it's not about being fair. It's just about don't try and over maximize deals. You'll fatigue. Eventually you'll fatigue buyers. You'll fatigue your brand. Leave some value on the table. That's great advice. And listen, that's the first time that advice has ever been given on this show. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, to wrap this up, last question for you. If someone came up to you today as you're, you know, you're hopping on a jet or, you know, you're hopping in an Uber, whatever you're doing, you're crunched for time. If someone came up to you seeking a piece of advice in that moment to achieve their definition of success, what would you tell them? Well, what's the best answer you got on that subject so far? Oh, that's a tough question. I've gotten so so many responses, so many, so many responses. My favorite, I'll give you my favorite. My favorite always revolves around feeling fulfilled because I think that's um, something that resonates with me on a very high level right now in my life. So whenever I hear that, that's that's the best answer. Yeah. I think for me, I have so many activities, right? So I got to take care of my family. I got to do these workouts. I have to make sure the book, you know, with my book partners and everything is promoted and I've got the work. So it is knowing, getting to the end of the day, not with fulfillment, but with a peacefulness and poise that I did as much as possible to meet my commitments. I love that. I love that. That was actually shared as uh, this individual named Eric Legrand. He was a uh, Rutgers football star here in uh, New Jersey, and he had a devastating accident. Uh, he was playing for Greg Schiano, a devastating accident, I believe in 2010, where uh, just completely paralyzed from the neck down. And he shared that as his definition of success, saying that, um, you know, success to him was being able to feel a peace of mind at the end of the day, knowing you gave it your all. So honestly, yeah. I appreciate sharing that. I mean, Listen, when, when people hear that, when people tune into the show and hear repetitive um, advice like that in different ways from different people, it really means a lot. And it goes to show that, you know, there's really no longer uh, a secret to success. The answers are out there. They're being shared. And Oren, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I think, listen, it comes from because I work with guys with $50 million, $80 million, $100 million, $250 million, billionaires, right? And if you start to cast judgment, like, how is he different from me? Why does he have $100 million and I have, you know, X dollars? Uh, and, and you start to draw comparisons and you start to live in wanting and you, and, and you start to get a little bit of bitter, you, start, you realize there's no rhyme or reason, especially in business, um, many times for why, especially in tech, why this guy got to win and this why didn't and why you're here and you're there. So all you can do is show up, 
four-year commitments every day, leave it all on the field and go home and take care of your family and your health. I love it. I love it. Listen, Oren, I appreciate you hopping on here, man. It was truly a great opportunity. I love your book. Uh, I love all the, the value and insights and experiences you've relayed here and amplified here on this show. So I want to say thank you. But I have to ask you, where can people keep up with you on social, any websites, and probably most importantly, where can people get Flip the Script? Yeah. So uh, Flip the Script is on pre-order now on Amazon right? So pre-order it. But if you want chapter one, which has a ton of actionable stuff in it, it's the chapter one is not like, hey, this is what this book is going to teach you. Chapter one goes way deep, as you know, immediately. So get chapter one at flip the script bonus, flip the script bonus. We'll get you chapter one right away. Uh, And then I'm Oren Claff on Instagram. So those are two things you can do today to get plugged in. I love it. Oren, again, thank you so much for hopping on here. I truly appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You're a good interviewer. I have done a many, many podcasts and this is one of the top. Uh, I've done some big ones as well. You're a good interviewer and I appreciate you. I appreciate that. And there you have it from my guy, Oren Claff himself. This episode, thanks to Oren, is jam-packed with value, just like his brand new book that is out now called Flip the Script. I had to name this episode after it because he dives into a lot of the topics that he talks about in Flip the Script. And I don't want to give it away because I read this book and it is such an amazing book. It's a book that pulls you through. Literally, the stories are so compelling. You actually feel like you are there, like you are honestly with Oren in these rooms where he He's closing massive deals all throughout the world, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you pick that book up. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is to connect with Oren number one on any social media platform that you utilize. He is on there, and he is open to connecting with you and talking with you on those platforms. So let him know we sent you over from Decoding Success. Tell him thank you for all of the amazing value he provided here. And secondly, what I'm going to ask you to do is to pick up his book, Flip the Script. I am an avid book reader. If you follow me on social, you know I am reading a new book weekly. That is the goal. And if not, you know, sometimes the dyslexia and things of that nature kick in and I might be taking maybe a week and a half, two weeks to finish a book, especially if it's above 250 pages. But that's a whole other story. This book, I promise you will pull you through. And listen, I get absolutely nothing from selling this book to you. It is just that good. And I highly, highly, highly suggest checking that out just for the stories alone like forget about the value that's within it the stories alone are so compelling it's absolutely amazing so again connect with Oren make sure you pick up his book so now as always I want to talk about a few of those things and listen there were a ton there were a ton in this episode so I can go on for days here but I promise I'm gonna respect your time and very briefly go over a few of the key takeaways that I absolutely love from this episode the first one being how Oren mentioned that he is driven by fear I think that alone won it over for me because you want to know what at the end of the day a lot of us step away from fear in fact Oren does the complete opposite he leans into fear and that's exactly why he is where he is today that's exactly why he's able to close the deals that he's able to close because he is stepping in to that uncomfortable feeling right he's stepping into essentially not knowing what's around the corner even though he travels the course even though he's been down the path he's finding new ways to go and honestly man that is just just so inspiring to hear that fear and panic are essentially what motivate him. And another thing on a very similar topic, which I resonate on a high level because of my speaking engagements all throughout the country, it comes down to that nervous feeling. You know, to hear an individual like Oren say that he still feels nervous when he's going into a deal, no matter, or a presentation, I should say, no matter how many he's done. And at the stature of these deals, honestly, when you read the book, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Seriously, like, it is absolutely amazing to hear that. And it's just, you know, reassuring. I'm not saying that I'm scared of feeling nervous or anything of that nature, but knowing that that nervous feeling is still there, you know, it kind of just shows you like you care, like you have a care for what you're doing, whether that is closing a deal or stepping on a stage, it shows that you care about what's going down. And, you know, hearing that from Oren was super reassuring. So you got those two points right off the bat, fear and panic as drivers, leaning into them and letting them drive you. 
you than another being the whole, you know, nervousness aspect of things, especially when you're presenting in front of, you know, someone you're pitching or an audience you're speaking in front of. And now thirdly, thirdly is the aspect of attracting deals and drawing them into you as opposed to chasing them, right? There is such a thing called the law of attraction and it very much so applies to closing deals as well. And honestly, to, to keep it 100 with you, to keep it real with you, to be transparent with you, to be honest, as I always am with all of you that are tuned into the show right now, I never looked at closing deals in that way. So Oren really opened my eyes to this. This episode really opened my eyes to it. In fact, I'm guilty of a lot of the things Oren mentioned when it comes to the technology aspect of running a business and how to get leads and drowning in leads. I mean, uh, from running cold email campaigns to Facebook ads and other social ads. And honestly, man, it's just like attract the deal to you. And there are so many ways to do just that, as Oren mentioned within this episode. So honestly, like I said, I want to respect everyone's time here. I don't want to go crazy, but those three things right off the top of the head, like I'm not even looking at notes here. I'm just going off of how amazing and how honestly insightful Oren was and what he's been able to provide all of us that are tuned into this. So again, if you haven't yet, what I highly suggest to do is connect with Oren on social. He mentioned Instagram. Check him out on Instagram. That's the one he mentioned. So check him out on Instagram. Make sure you pick up his book called Flip the Script. And now what I'm going to ask you to do, I know this episode right here was of value to you, right? No matter what you do in life, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, earlier on in the show, we're all selling no matter what we do in life, whether we're convincing our boss to give us a raise, we're selling on, you know, selling our boss on why we deserve that, whether, you know, I gave you the example about leaving the club, you know, and not paying $5 for that water bottle outside and, you know, on a New York City corner where a halal card is literally charging you five dollars for a fucking twist off not even the the sport one you know you got to sell in that instance the the list goes on right the list really goes on so if this episode was of value what i'm going to ask you to do is post this on your instagram stories tag Oren and myself and i'm going to shout you out i am going to put you on the decoding success instagram i'm going to put you on my own instagram i want the world to know that you are a supporter you are part of the decoding success faithful which i am extremely grateful for but the whole point i'm trying to get at here is listen to this i'm going to give you a perfect example if your friend listened to this show and was Exposed to the amount of value that Oren put out there today, would you not want your friend to share it with you if you knew about it? That's exactly what I want all of you to do. I want you to be the friend that shares it with someone else. That is one of the most meaningful things you can do is share some form of education to be able to uplift them, to be able to educate them, to be able to help them level up in life. That is what it's about, especially if they're on your team, even if they're not on your team. I love helping anyone that I can help. Help. Maybe it's just me, but I know deep down all of us, all human beings are psychologically wired, as I mentioned in this episode, to want to help people. We feel fulfilled. So help yourself feel fulfilled by sharing this with whomever through text, on social, through email, whatever the case is, just make sure you're sharing it. And if you haven't yet, if you have not rated this show, leave a five-star rating and review. Drop that review. It means the world to us. It helps us get individuals just like Oren up here on this show and Honestly, we're trying to hit 200 by the end of the year. We have a goal. You have the power to help us hit that goal. So I am asking you, it would mean the absolute world to us. Other than that, I have nothing much else to say other than I'm going to listen to this episode one more time. Seriously, it was that good. So everyone, until next time, be blessed. Peace.